Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cooking with Positivity. I am your host, Zakia McCoy. Here at Cooking with Positivity, we like to focus on positivity leading to success, whether that be in your business, in your love life, or just in everyday factors of life. Now, this month is Authors Month, and we will be talking to romance novelist Danielle Allen. But I want to go ahead and kick it off with our positivity poem for the month. Use your words to create a positivity gumbo that will illuminate the taste buds. Serve dishes of positivity that will leave others craving for more. Write the story of positivity that will keep the world turning the page. Now, again, this is Authors Month. So I want to make sure everybody listens to our sponsored break because I have a special surprise for my listeners. And I do want to inform you guys that Sins of the Battered Woman series and the Man Running Scared series will be starting up again next year. So I hope you go catch up. There are five episodes available on Amazon for Sins of the Battered Woman series. And there are three episodes of the Man Running Scared series. And those will be starting back up in 2019. I'm super excited. I've already started working on all of them. And I have a few more episodes for you guys. And I'm going to go back to releasing them twice a month. I'm not going to be releasing them so much at once. Now, the Man Running a Scare series follows our main character, Kevin. And he has found himself in a messy situation due to the fact that he fell for a girl that he did not know fully. And now he finds himself trying to get out of this situation. So in the three episodes, you'll see Kevin's story progress with Jessica. And he finds out things about her that he wasn't too sure of before. And it has him running scared. So I hope you guys check it out. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Danielle Allen. Turkey Day has come and gone. Christmas will be here before you know it. And ZRZ Catering, as I hear McCoy Inc., has got you covered with these wonderful gift baskets, which include some great things like sparkling grape juice, sample trays, a book written by Zakia McCoy, as well as so many other fun gifts and surprises. So be sure to stop by Zakia McCoy Inc. on Facebook or ZRZ Catering to get your basket today. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Well, I have. I have dreamed of starting my own podcast for so long. And 
I felt it would be a great way to showcase my business as a caterer and a writer and promote my business. And one of my favorite people suggested Anchor to me. And I tried Anchor and I loved it. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing, and monetizing your podcast. If you want your podcast heard on Apple, Spotify, and everywhere podcasts are heard, then Anchor is right for you. So if you want to live your dream, create your own podcast with easy and great tools, such as background and description and distributing your podcast on multiple platforms, go to anchor.fm slash start and start living your dream of your podcast today. Two thousand nineteen is fast approaching, and I have created a physical, mental, and emotional detox that will clear away all the mess from two thousand eighteen and get your year started off right. This is meant to be a guide, a challenge, a journey, and is meant to bring in your two thousand nineteen detoxing your mind, emotion, and physical self. I hope you will enjoy and remember to keep a positive and fun attitude, and you can achieve anything. This ebook is available for pre-order for Cooking with Positivity listeners at $2.99. So make sure you grab your copy today and it'll be available for Christmas so you can get started. Do you enjoy winning prizes? Do you enjoy the thrill of raffling? Well, hop on over to ZRZ Catering on Facebook and grab your raffle tickets. They're only a dollar and you will get a chance to win a catered event by ZRZ Catering valued at $600 as well as multiple prizes throughout the month. The next raffle drawing will be on December 15th at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you check out that live so you can see if you're a winner. Happy raffling. Welcome back, guys. I hope you enjoyed those wonderful prizes. Now, Danielle Allen wears multiple fabulous hats. Professor, life coach, and the hat we're here to talk about today, and author. She has written multiple romance novels, Back to Life series, Summer Heartache series, and now Choose Your Dating Adventure series with this one, that one, sweatpants season, and cuffing season. Using her bachelor's degree in human services, Danielle is on a mission to help others better understand themselves and become the best version of themselves. Hi, Danielle. Thank you for joining us. Hi. I had to download the whole app. <laughs> yeah. I meant to tell you that. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's all my fault. <laughs> How are you? I am good. This weather is trying to take me out, but oh. other than that, I am good. <laughs> yes. I, I'm, my, my voice is going in and out a little bit due to the weather, so please forgive me. No problem at all. Now, I want to start off with a popular question that I get asked a lot. What age did you start writing? I 
my first book I wrote, I was in like third grade, but by as a career, I was 29. I had a list of um, 30 things I wanted to do before I turned 30 and writing a novel was on the list. It was number one on the list actually. And, um, and so I looked at the calendar and I was like, oh man, all right, I need to knock this out. (laughs) (laughs) I still have those days. I have a goal list and things on my calendar. And I often find myself saying, okay, I'm getting closer to a deadline. I think I might want to Get on. <laughs> so I definitely understand the feeling. Now, how did you feel after publishing your first book? I was excited. I felt like I didn't know if I was going to do it again. Like I fell in love with <laughs> the writing, but I was like, I did it. All right, nice. And and then that was like, well. I kind of want to finish the story. So then that led to writing the second one. And then after I finished uh, Back to Life and Back to Reality, I was like, I really love this. Like, I am in love with this. And I was getting something from it that I wasn't getting from my full-time job. I feel that. I definitely understand all of those emotions. (laughs) (laughs) Now, who influences you as far as your writing goes? Maya Angelou, like she, I feel like she's been through so much and she channeled like everything that she's gone through or that she went through um, into her work. And that is how, that's how I write. I will like, depending upon like the inspiration will come for a character and then I will like just channel different emotions in order to infuse that into the work definitely she's at the top of my list as well she is like I wish I would have had the opportunity to meet her I actually attended a seminar that she spoke at oh awesome I was I was young I was really young and I remember listening to her speak and it wasn't the words she was saying it was how she said it yes and and I said I don't know what I'm gonna do in the future but I know writing's gonna be involved some kind of way I love that I love that so much now how has uh positivity affected you and your success you said how has what positivity How has positivity affected you and your success? Honestly, I feel like that is the only, like, I believe that you reap what you sow. And I believe in karma and all of that. And so I feel like, you know, understanding that what you put into things, the goodness that you put out you're going to get back. And that doesn't mean that every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but like the knowledge that, okay, everything happens for a reason. And so trying to find that reason, trying to find that bright spot, trying to find that why 
can get you through any tough time. And so I feel like in writing, because there are definitely days when it's like, okay, the words aren't coming the way, you know, the way the deadline is set up, the words aren't coming and <laughs> quick enough. But, um, and then editing is always a beast in and of itself. So there's just moments um, where it's like, huh. But if you stay like focused on why it is you got into writing, why it is you're doing what you're doing, like, cause it really can apply to anything. Like if you focus on why you're doing it yeah, and you have that passion for it and that love for it, it like will carry you through that rough patch. Yes. I can definitely understand and relate. Positivity drives everything that I do. I try to make sure I'm positive no matter what the situation is. Absolutely. Through some dark times this year. So that, you know, (laughs) it's all, it's December and a new year is upon us. You know what I mean? So I feel like you made it through like the dark times that you've been through this year, you've made it through. And so that in and of itself is a testimony. You know what I mean? Yes, and it is it's made for some great writing too, I will say. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, like, what three tips can you give to a fellow writer? I would say first, um, be authentic to who you are. Be true to you. And that's in what you write, how you write. Um, the images that you want to portray, all of that. Be authentic to who you are because, well, that's one. Two, um, when it comes to feedback, reading is personal. Reading is a personal experience and there are going to be people who don't like what it is that you wrote. There are going to be people who don't get it. There are going to be people who don't identify with it and that's okay. That's their experience with it. As long as you wrote something that you stand behind, something that you believe in, something that you know that you did your absolute best, that's all you can do. Because the reading experience is on them. You just got to take care of the writing part. So don't get caught up in other people's opinions of your work. Now you, And then the third one is to have a great support system and I don't mean yes men or yes women um people who will read your um drafts and say okay this needs to change because if you have someone who's like oh this is great I love everything about it that's not gonna make you better and so like I remember in the not in the very very beginning but um midway through maybe my third or fourth I guess that's the early part my third or fourth book um, I was under the impression that I needed to have a, um, like a, a, a beta team because other people had beta teams. But what I was getting back was a lot of people who was just reading it and saying, oh, I love it. And not able to articulate what they loved about it or why they loved it or like what needed to change or how it could be better. And that's what you need. You need someone who is going to be able to read it and give you constructive criticism right the proper feedback absolutely all right 
Now, what song keeps you positive? If you're having one of those days that you just need to hear something upbeat or you need to get something to get you through, what song does that for you? Oh, my goodness. That's a hard question. Um, (laughs) There are so many songs. Like, I love music. And, like, for every book that I write, I have a playlist that goes along with it because, like, music, I feel like, is transformative. Like, it can can do some things. But I know, um, actually, just the other day, um, someone posted a clip of... I want to say, what's the couple? I don't watch Meet the Browns. What's the couple? Pamela Mann and uh, David. Yes. So it was them. And then uh, I want to say the lady from Mary Mary. um, They were singing Total Praise. And I tell you, I got so emotional. Like, there's something about, like, that good old school, like, gospel that can like that can change a thing and so like I just like this felt so blessed and so like overwhelmed with like everything that was going on in life it was it was a really good like moment but it was just like overwhelming because I was just like no matter what like I have been blessed to do like several different things that I love and it just put things in perspective. Definitely. I can totally understand that. I'm a, I'm an emotional music listener. So yeah. So you get- <laughs> if I feel overly emotional, I know to stay away from certain songs and playlists. Yes. I know it's going to be one of those moments, but if I'm like, I need to get it out. I go to a certain playlist. So I definitely understand. And Tamla Man, she does that to me all the time, no matter what headspace I'm in. Her voice just resonates with my soul. So I get it. <laughs> right. And the thing is, it's like, because you can hear, you can hear music at certain times and it doesn't affect you in that way. But it was about hearing them like collectively, because they were just, I don't know what it was for. It was a clip. Um, and like they were just around the piano, like giving that song all types of life. And I oh was like, you know what? <laughs> Up here crying, and like it was, it was good. I can, de- I can definitely understand all of it. I was <laughs> just listening to, um, what was it? I was listening to, and I listen to the song often. It's one of my like top songs. Uh, you will know. It's the collective with Tevin Campbell and a whole bunch of other people, but it's one of my favorite songs. And oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> and I was listening to it, and I listen to it all the time. I love to sing it. It's it's my jam. But just this day, I was just a wreck. I was like, I don't know why this song is doing this to me today. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> And, and that's why I love music so much because it can tap into like different emotions. Some things that like you, like you, what happened with you, you don't even know that you're feeling a way. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, wait a minute. Am I, am I feeling emotional right now? Yes. And, <laughs> and see, I don't like listening to certain things in front of other people because they see me cry or something. They're like, 
what happened? And I'm like, it's not, it's nothing's going on right now. It's just the music. It's, it's getting to me. Exactly. And if I'm writing certain things, I listen to certain playlists so I can evoke emotions as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like that is exactly what, um, like, when I create playlists for books, it's songs that I'm listening to at different moments to invoke the emotion of that moment. So hopefully if someone is, they read the book and then they go back and listen to the playlist, the playlist will take them through the same feeling, even if they don't necessarily like think of every moment that I was thinking of in the book, it'll take them through the same feelings as the book. Yes. uh, I had someone ask me, you know, why I asked this question. And I said, music moves us, even if we don't know it. Yes. Of like a time in your life, if you hear a song, absolutely back to that time, like, oh, I was doing this at this time, (laughs) or this happened at this time, and you don't even know it until the moment happens. 100% agree. 100. That's kind of like writing. I feel like when you read certain things, yeah, with you in the moment, and then you leave that book or you leave that statement or conference or wherever you heard it with your life but if you hear something similar to that or you read something similar to that you remember it comes back it's like a a memory washes over you exactly I 100% agree now you're independent correct I am and now was it easy for you being independent um in what way Start. I want to say starting out. Um. Well, I didn't. I didn't know anything. You know what I mean. So it was like I didn't know anything about self-publishing. I didn't know anything about um about the whole independent movement. I didn't know. All I knew is that I wrote something because it was on my list of things I needed to do before I turned thirty. And then after I finished it. I um, had my significant other at the time read it and he was like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, he, but then, um, but I mean, I felt like it was good too. Um, And then my best friend read it and she was like, oh, you know, this is good. So I was like, um, and so he was like, um, like you should publish it. So we looked into like how to publish it. And then just threw it up on Amazon. Like I had no, um, like I didn't have a following. I didn't have like the only people who bought it when it first came out were um, my best friends and their husbands or what. And like, and that's it. And then um, a blogger by the name of Natalie sent me a message um and she was like you know hey like have you ever heard of doing a blog tour have you ever heard of and I was like no and she was like um well send me you know send me an email and um and I can set you up and so I sent her an email and she um like she did my first blog tour which um like I, I got some readers from there and then like, so it's been slow and steady, 
over the last five years just building upon um building upon itself but like even now I feel like I'm learning as I go definitely and with Amazon changing exactly. so much it's a <laughs> absolutely learning experience every day absolutely I just went through uh, some things with Amazon myself with a book that I published, I want to say five years ago. Mm -hmm. And they just took it down because they found a coding issue or something. Now, they found a coding issue? Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's one of those weird things. It's like the book has been out for all of this time. And now... There's yeah so I was like I don't even know how to go about that but I'm in talks with them yeah. we're figuring it out and, and the hard thing with that is that like a lot of times like you don't have a phone number that you can you can use and well they've updated that thank god because I was <laughs> that was my big thing when I first started with Amazon I didn't have anyone to speak with one-on-one to figure everything out by myself <laughs> oh then if you could like um definitely send me an email with that phone number I definitely will. <laughs> when i tell you the last issue the last major issue i had with them i had to email them about it and mm. it, there's nothing more frustrating than like sending an email to and not just amazon but anyone and i'm yeah. um, having to wait for them to you know what I, mean? I just don't feel like that's always the quickest it's definitely not emails because it goes to an inbox and you have to think other people send emails what? in the same inbox. So what? it's going to be like a numbers game. Like when will they get to your number? When will they get to your email? You don't know when you're in the queue. And so it's <laughs> all like Verizon and they put you on and they're like, you know, you're number 132. It's like yeah. it'll be a long wait, but at least I know. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely a big advocate on speaking with a person. Yes. <laughs> as opposed to the online chat or like the automated service. Yes. So I've looked like for years, I've been on Amazon since what, 2014, 15? That's awesome. Time. But the issues that I had at first are no longer present it's new issues now because they've <laughs> updated their system they've made all of these changes and so as a writer I have to make changes <laughs> to accommodate their new systems and new protocols absolutely so um do you cook at all I do what is your favorite meal to cook my favorite meal um is a vegetarian stir fry. Oh, wow. Pretty much we'll cook that every single day. Like, because I'm one of those people that I don't mind eating the same thing over and over again. Um, oh, man. Oh, we would not get along <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so I make a vegetarian stir fry and I will, um, and I eat it every day. Like, sometimes. Oh, no. <laughs> But like, um, but yeah, every single day I make a vegetarian stir fry and it is what I love is when I am like thinking ahead and I go ahead and chop my veggies um, like on Sunday. And so I just have bowls of veggies already chopped. So then I can 
you know, go ahead and hook it up real quick. But most weeks, I'm not that good. So (laughs) having to take the time to chop it, because I only deal, like, I only like the fresh veggies. And so it becomes a little irritating at that point. But, but yeah. Being a caterer, I can relate to the fresh part. Yeah. The same thing. They have a, like, (laughs) like, everything. And so that is my favorite thing to cook. Man, I did not peg you for a vegetarian stir fry every day. That's that's every, that's dedication. I tell you, <laughs> every day. And like, and so you said you're a caterer. So what is yours? My go-to is normally soul food. So it'd be like homemade baked mac and cheese. That's my favorite thing to cook. That's my favorite thing to eat. That's like my family's recipe that's like one of the things passed down from generation to generation no I feel like I mac and cheese is probably my favorite thing I don't cook it you don't cook it okay (laughs) because I feel like I would go ahead and eat the whole thing like there's just no (laughs) there's no middle ground when you do baked mac and you know what I mean like when mac and cheese is done uh, when it's right there's just no like and see, I can't cook it every day because I'm I'm trying to, you know, cleanse myself and move into the new year. Right. Healthier. But that is my that is my go-to. Yeah. Especially if I'm having an event for myself or I'm going to somebody's event, if you ask me to bring something, 95% of the time I'll bring mac and cheese. Yeah. Unless you request a different dish. And see, all of my friends, they have different dishes of mine that they like the most. So I have to be that caterer and that courteous person and <laughs> give them what they want. What I really want to do is just make mac and cheese and be happy <laughs> myself. But it's fine. <laughs> Everything else I cook is pretty good, too. So I don't I don't mind it. But yeah, sometimes I just hope, like, okay, so you want mac and cheese. I'll, I'll make it. I'll bring it. <laughs> That doesn't always work out for me. I love it. But yes, I feel like mac and cheese is definitely a staple. And so I feel you. It's one of my, my top sellers, like on my on my menu. It's uh it's meatballs, it's mac and cheese, and it's fried chicken. Those are my top three sellers and my deviled eggs, my bacon cheddar deviled eggs. Oh, I feel like that's right there. That's a meal. Like. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's why I put them up on the menu. Those are the main main items. Like, if you want catering for me and you don't know, you know what I do, or you would just want to taste it, go to that main menu and try those things, and then we'll we'll go from there. <laughs> I love it. Now, what's a big part of your writing process? I know every writer is different. They have different quirks and things that they do. As far as the writing process, what's one of your main ones? I have to have music. Um, yes. That is essential. Um, I am not a planner. <laughs> I'll go in and I will know who the character is. Now, I will start off with like, all right, I know who the main people are and I know what they look like. I know what they're like, 
what their overall motivation is. Um, I know I have like a little bio of them that I will come up with. But as far as the storyline goes, I generally will know um, the main point I'm trying to get across. Yeah. And then I let the story take me where it takes me, which is why sometimes when um, if I'm stuck, it's kind of like, all right, what are y'all trying to tell me? And like, is that back and forth with the characters trying to figure out what's what? But but I don't really I don't I don't plot or plan. Like sometimes I will know what the ending is going to be, but I don't know the journey it's going to take to get there. Yeah. And sometimes I know. Um, I just know the point that I'm getting across and I'll um, just let the story do its thing. So it's different for, for different stories. I definitely understand that. I, uh, my process is similar. It's just, um, I, if I get an idea, I have to start writing it. Mm-hmm. I'll down. I, did, I actually had an idea for a new book last night and um, I <laughs> I had to get up and I had to write it down. Yeah. Before it left my my spirit. Exactly. <laughs> because sometimes they'll come and if you don't, if you're like, oh, I'll remember it later, you won't. Nope. <laughs> and if you do remember it, it doesn't sound the same. Exactly. It doesn't feel the same. It's not, it's not the direction you were heading in. Exactly. I, I've actually gotten uh I'm working on four books right now because of that, because of that process. Like I can't. I have to feel it to write it. And if I don't feel it, if these characters aren't speaking to me, I have to go with the characters who are speaking to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, whew, do you have any advice that you can give to your younger self? I would tell my younger self to live in the moment. Tomorrow is not promised. And I think it took and 2015 was when it really like that was really like driven home for me and I just think about how a lot of times we are living um, we can live for other people and other people's expectations other people's um, like what they want from us, what we are expected to do, what society thinks um, is the thing to do. But in 2015, um, when I lost my grandfather, that was when I was like, okay, like, I liked the job that I had, like my full-time job. I liked it, but I didn't love it the way I yeah. love teaching and the way I love writing. I liked it. I made good money. I did what I needed to do, but it wasn't feeding my soul. And so I, that was when I was just like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like we only get one life. And so if it's not feeding my soul, then I need to, I need to do the things that are. And so I like put in my notice so that, um, 2016, my full-time job became writing and uh, part-time I teach and I don't um, and I let go of the full-time job and I have truly been like happier like I have like 
I can't even explain the difference. But I will say it's more work. It's harder work. But when you're working for yourself and you're doing what it is you love, you don't really mind. Like last night, I went to bed at 6 a.m. Yeah. And, so, you know, when I'm, if I was working for someone else, I would clock out at whatever time, like 9 to 5. Like I would be done at 5 and that would be that. And I would come back the next day. But with this, it's like I work more than I've ever worked for anyone else. I do more. Um, I do more. I put more into it, but it's also mine. And yeah. because it's mine, it's like I'm going to you reap what you sow. And so I'm sowing these seeds and like it is it it was just a life changing experience. So I would just tell myself um to like live in the moment. Tomorrow's not promised and like do what you love yes yes that is amazing I tell myself that every day yes it's important it is so important and that putting it into yourself that is relatable to a lot of people because there are people working jobs right now that they hate and they want to be doing something else Mm -hmm. but they don't the courage or the motivation to move past that or they have circumstances where I need this job I need this income well what I tell my students all the time is that like when you encounter people because everyone hasn't like encountered someone at a job where they are just angry and they hate like they hate being there and it's like, but what are you doing to change your circumstances? Because not everyone, like I was blessed to be in a situation where the shift between like leaving my full-time job and writing, like it wasn't like, this was, you know, three and a half years after beginning my writing journey. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like I wrote my first book and was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm yeah. like, so it's like I was in a position where like that change was needed, necessary, and I was in a position to be able to do it. But like the, um, I tell my students all the time that like, if you don't like your job, then start looking for other opportunities while you're still working, while you're still employed. Don't just leave it. And then like, especially if you have kids to take care of or dependents, like you just leaving isn't an option sometimes. So like work and get the experience, like everything happens for a reason. So you're in that job for a reason, figure out that reason, whether it is to get the experience you need to get the contacts you need, um, whatever it is while you're looking for the thing that is going to make your soul happy. But I feel like for a lot of people, they don't know what it is that's going to make their soul happy. They don't know what it is that they're passionate about. And so until you like figure out what it is you're passionate about, it's going to be hard to make that transition because you're going to like feel that restlessness in a number of things. So like figuring out what it is you want to do, what it is you want out of life and and that can change. And so figuring that out and then working towards it is the most valuable thing you can do for yourself because we spend most of our time 
working. We spend most of our because our most of our week hours are spent at work. So if you're not doing something that's feeding your soul, it or something that you hate rather, you're doing something that you hate. That like energy, you're you're bringing that home. Yeah. You're bringing that into like your interactions with the people that you love, and so you want to find stuff that you do enjoy. That way, when you go to work, like, work is work. Like, I love writing, love it. But sometimes it's, at the end of the day, it's still work. Yes. So <laughs> you can, everything you're going to do is going to be work if you're working. But if you find something that is feeding you and you can pour into it and it is pouring back into you, you'll never feel that beat down feeling. But if you're pouring your all into something that's not pouring back into you, and that's for jobs, relationships, whatever, if you are pouring so much of yourself into it and it is not replenishing and pouring back into you, then you are going to feel that heaviness. You're going to feel being spent. You're going to feel bogged down with life. I definitely get that. I I went through that similar situation that catapulted me to focus fully on my own business because I was working at a job. I was making good money. Circumstances kept happening where I was sitting there and I was like, why am I here? I'm selling people stuff. I don't want to do this. I don't feel Mm -hmm. anything at the end of the day. And I started to become jaded. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I had to, well, I was pushed, I was pushed to uh, move on, but I felt like I needed that push because if not, I would just stay there. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. And that's that's what I tell myself all the time, because a lot of people will be like, well, oh my God, this keeps happening to me. Or why is this happening to me? And sometimes you have to just sit in that. And be like, okay, why did this happen to me? Absolutely. As opposed to why is this happening to me? Like you have to figure that out. Absolutely. Now I want to talk about uh sweatpants season. I'm excited to see you tomorrow. I'm excited too. The book club is gonna be awesome. I'm bringing pasta. I'm not bringing mac and cheese though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing uh different kind of pastas for everybody. But uh what was your thought process when writing this? Uh, is it the dating adventure series? No. So the dating adventures was um, uh, disasters and dating. And so okay. that was um, the disasters and dating and then the two endings that you can choose. Um, uh, sweatpants season and cuffing season, they are um, based upon... I was having a conversation with someone and um, they said something that just was like, wait, what? And it had to do with like uh, objectifying. It it was something about, because it was summertime and it was something about like, you know, oh, well, like she shouldn't have had like that on. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, what is what she like? Oh, she like something about like she wanted like she, obviously she wanted the attention because she had that on. And and so like in dialoguing um, with like with that in mind, it was just kind of like, OK, so why is it so controversial for um, like women's wear? Like what women wear is just like, um, you assume you know so much about her character based on what she's wearing and you don't. And it's like, there are a number of reasons and there's a difference between an appreciative glance and objectifying. Yes, I learned that at your author's event. I found that I objectified a lot of men. And that's what I also wanted to point out too, because it's like, you know, I've seen where at different events, like there will be like the, the muscular guy with like, you know, not much on. Um, and, you know, and women would make comments about about his body and stuff. And so I was just kind of like, you know, mm. while men don't get objectified to the degree that we get objectified, they are objectified. And like, but the idea of objectification is just so interesting to me um, because it's like, it's a slippery slope. Yep. Because there are people who will objectify someone and then and not think anything of it but will also like turn around and like feel a way about being objectified themselves you know what I mean and then there's also people who will see something and like they're so used to the constant objectification of women that happens that it's it becomes normal yeah and then when you normalize something like that that's when you get the comments of oh well she was asking for it because of what she had on and it's like well no if she did not say out of her mouth hey i want you to do x y and z or i want you to say x y and z she was not asking for it like how you dress is not asking for anything. And so it's just, it was a really interesting lens that I felt like um, I hadn't seen or read it in a, in a book. And, um, and it was important to me. And my, what I focus on, especially like in the last few years is telling, um, I've always wanted to tell stories that like mattered to me whether or not they matter to other people I wanted them to matter to me because when I'm dead and gone like my legacy will still stand within the pages of the books that I leave so I want to have the um I want to have the books that are saying something and making you think like that is always the goal to make you think and to make you want to like either know more about um, to think more broadly about a subject or to um, to change your mind because the and really the like me too movement and like how 
um, so many women have this experience and men too have this experience. Yep. I was just getting ready to say that. (laughs) Right. Like it's such a, like everyone that I know that I've dialogued this with has experienced some sort of me too moment, I'll say. And, um, and because of that, it's like, that's troubling. You know what I mean? Like, that's not like, it shouldn't be so prevalent that it happens. And we're just kind of like, you know, unfortunately this is part of like what it is to be a woman. And it's like, that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's not okay. And so, um, is hoping to like, and then also how being complicit, like even if you aren't making like negative comments or whether whatever the comments are, if you're not making comments or doing things, but your friends are, and you're not stepping, yeah, you are complicit to the situation, and like, and that goes beyond just you know objectification. That's everything like if you know your friends are into some messy stuff and you are sitting by like you're messy by association definitely you are the company you keep absolutely at a very young age (laughs) and I know that it's certain things that I don't want to be associated with so I won't associate myself with certain people who project that energy attitude it's like you just have to be mindful of like we are responsible for one another like we're responsible for ourselves but if you are if you're like these are my friends and your friends are saying like racist sexist homophobic like really like bad stuff and you just overlook it you're just like <laughs> oh i mean they're my friends then you by association are about that life and like and so it's like trying to open people's eyes to like when you don't check your friend who's saying x y and z then you're complicit in that situation yes i just watched something similar to this last night on hustle in brooklyn there's a young lady who is very messy very outlandish and she has a friend who is in the industry and she's trying to be about her business but everybody else keeps coming to her and saying certain things about her friend who's messy and instead of her saying yeah you're right you know maybe I need to sit down with my friend she has a defensive attitude Mm -hmm. and she defends the girl and then last night they end up getting into a physical altercation because she let it go on for so long. Oh wow. Her, and her, yeah. oh, wow. her friend got into a physical altercation because she let it go on for so long that when it started affecting her, she finally said something. Right. But at that point, now, it's on you now because you've been my friend for all of this time and you never said anything. But now that it's between us, you have an issue. That's what the messy friend stance was yeah and and that's 
And that's how it goes. Like that is how the slippery slope goes. You keep allowing something because it doesn't neg- it doesn't impact you directly right at that moment. So you allow it to go on. So then when it does impact you, it's like you got a problem with it now, but you were cool when all of this was happening to other people. Yeah. And that that negatively reflects on you as a person because one of the girls that she had issues with, she went and apologized, you know, for her being defensive or aggressive towards her, but she didn't want to hear it anymore. She was like, well, you don't have friends because this is how you act. Your heart is not pure. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a big statement. And her only interaction is because you were defending your friend. Absolutely. Messy behavior. Absolutely. So it, and I think it's a, a big double standard too when it comes to men. Men can't be raped. Men can't be objectified. Men can't be sexually assaulted. Unless it's by another man. Well, no, because I feel like they can and like, they don't report it though that's the thing like and that's what i'm saying like that's the stigma that's out there like these are things that can't happen to men absolutely because that's what society tells us or our parents tell us or whatever's going on in this house stays in this house that's the worst statement i've ever heard in my life and i've heard it a lot growing up so men grow up with that mindset as well and a lot of things that happen they just get swept under the rug. You just move on. <laughs> and then I don't know if you remember, but it was a, um, I want to say it was a couple of years ago. There was this man at a convenience store and these two women had come in and they were like trying to touch his dick. And like, um, they were like dancing with him and dancing on him um, yeah. provocatively. And like, he like, you know, no, I don't want you to do this. What is going on? And um, and he like, I don't know if he called the police or the um, or if the people um in the store called the police, but something happened, and a bunch of people were like, you know, why do you call the police? Like yada yada yada. And it's like, if it was the other way around, and you know what I mean, like he felt. <laughs> comfortable two women were trying to touch him inappropriately they were grinding on him they were touching him in a sexual manner we thought a video yeah (laughs) and so it's like how you can't be like and it's unfortunate because like there are a lot of men who don't say anything because they feel like oh well i don't want um I don't want people to like, you know, basically do that same thing, which is the same reason there are a lot of people who are uh, sexually assaulted and raped who don't say anything because they see what happened to like, they see what happens in the news and how uh, you can like have this like story, you can have this thing happening to you and everyone will conspire against you. Not everyone, but people in general will like say, oh, it didn't happen or not, not believe you. And so you have like those Anita Hill moments where it's like, what's, what's the point of coming forward 
if this is how I'm going to be treated type of thing. I went through a similar situation. Um, I'm a survivor of child molestation. My aunt's husband at the time, he molested me. He tried to penetrate me. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I, I told her like the next day, but she didn't believe, like she didn't believe it. She just, she was like, he did what? And then like fast forward, I come back to the scene of the crime and they're married. So it put me in a weird state. I stopped hanging out with my aunt and stopped, you know, going to her house. Yeah, but my cousin was left fair play. She was younger, she was more vulnerable, and I never spoke up until years later, till I was older. And I would have to see this man around holidays, birthdays, you know, things like that. Yeah, and I kept it to myself. But I'm angry with myself because my cousin fell prey. And I felt like if I would have said something, it probably could have prevented that. But when I did say something, she blatantly told me to my face that I was a liar again. So it's kind of like a catch-22. Like, you, when are you lose? Either way, like, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And then you feel the outcome. You kind of have a, a mindset of, okay, she's not going to believe me anyway, but I have to say it. Yeah. Well, I feel like this. At the end of the day, you didn't do anything wrong. Now, the guilt you feel, you you did say something and it wasn't believed. And then like the person who was in the wrong is him. Yeah. He is the only person in the wrong. And so it's like, but and that happens so often where people will say something and not be believed so they don't say it again they don't tell anyone else because it was like it's hard enough to say it to begin with yeah let alone to have like your admission be rejected and shut down and so you spoke up you did say something and like my heart goes out to you and to your cousin who um who was subjected to that too i feel like your your aunt knew Yep. She definitely did. That's that's she, another conversation in itself. Right. right. <laughs> but like that going back to complicity. If you know this and you are still allowing it to be around, you are complicit in what is being done. And then with him, he is the one who's in the wrong, not you. So like I feel like there are times when we hold on to guilt that isn't ours. There are times we hold on to things that do not belong to us. And he is the one who's in the wrong. He did that to you and to her and you know what I mean? Like, and to whoever else, but you didn't do anything wrong. So I, I understand why, um, like the counselor in me understands why you feel guilty, but you... I want you to release that because you can't hold on to someone else's stuff. You did anything wrong. Now, in 
sweatpants season, the cover is is very very tasty. I want to say I don't want I want to use another word, but I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> uh, brought out the red blooded woman in me, and my my friend. Because when I seen the when I seen the title of the book and I saw the cover, I said, "Yes, I have to get this book." And she was like, "What is sweatpants season? What does that even mean?" I was like, "Sweatpants is men's lingerie. How do you not know this?" Like, she's like, "I've been married forever. Like, I don't know what y'all talking about." And I was like, "This is not new. Like, this is not a new news. It's <laughs> something that's been happening forever." And I think that goes back to what you said about men being objectified as well yes (laughs) like I said I've objectified of many men and not just men who don't have clothes on men who all shapes sizes ages races I've I've come to learn that I've been objectifying men (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the lessons I wanted I wanted um people to learn as well like it's not to the same degree but we do it too and and I feel like I didn't notice it until your event because no one has ever said hey I don't want you to look at me like this or I don't want you to talk to me like this I feel uncomfortable because those words were never said those thoughts were never put in my mind to be like okay maybe I need to you know, take a look at myself and feel, like, figure out why am I making this man feel uncomfortable? Right. No one ever said that to me. <laughs> so I've never, like, had to sit back and think, like, maybe I'm a little too aggressive or maybe I'm looking too long. Right. And I feel like it's all about, it's, it's in that, that window of the appreciative glance and the straight up objectification like when you look at something like you notice it you see it you need to like look around and know your surroundings looking isn't the issue it's when it becomes the like especially with like let's say uh in sweatpants the dick front if you notice it that's one thing if you are continuously staring at it, that can make someone uncomfortable. Like, and there are people who like enjoy the attention and there are people who, who don't, but like, um, there's some people who like, who may buy specific sweatpants to bring out their anatomy. Um, yeah. Like, just like there are some people who, like, wear a certain bra to, like, push up their anatomy. You know what I mean? Like, there are those who are, like, enhancing it because they want it enhanced, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's all they want to be viewed as. Yes. It doesn't give you a right to openly objectify them. Absolutely. Now, uh, what can we expect from you in the future? What are you working on right now? What are some things that are going on right now that you could tell us about? Right now, I'm working on something that will be out on January 19th. Um, Two years ago, um, 
January 19th, 2017, I've released Nevermore, which is a uh, play on the Edgar Allan po- uh, poem of The Raven. Oh, wow. And okay. so um, now two years later, I am doing a play on another Poe work. And I, I'm not going to say which yet, but um, but the cover reveal will happen um, at the beginning of the year, the very, very beginning. And the book will come out on Poe's birthday um, again. And um, so that's what I'm working on now. That's amazing. Thank you. Now, I want to thank you for joining us. I feel like I could talk to you forever. We have to give people a rest because I know they like listening to us ramble on. But uh, how can the people get in contact with you? What are your handles and emails and all that fun stuff? Well, you can go to authordanielleallen.com. Um, and that is, that's how you can email me. You can buy a book. You can look at what I have coming up, what's going on. Um, follow me on Instagram at author Danielle Allen. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, Danielle Allen underscore XO and Facebook is also author Danielle Allen. And you're also on Goodreads, right? Yes. And I want to Amazon. Yes, if you want my work, um, you can get that on Amazon. Um, most of my work is Amazon exclusive. So if you see it somewhere else, it was pirated. Please let me know because that is. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but yeah, on Amazon and on my website. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this interview. And I hope everyone has a great and positive day. Thank you. Bye.